Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as I can tell from the live chat, it's going to be a great episode. Everybody is in here, excited and ready to go. Before we start the program, I want to give a big shout out to my co-host on my left, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? I'm loving free agency, Lance. I'm loving everything the Steelers are about, with the exception of one big thing that we'll get into. But it doesn't ruin my day. In fact, it only makes it better because I get to talk about it with you fine people. Before we jump into that, I want to get the show business out of the way. As always, if you want to join us, you can catch us live on YouTube. Typically, we do it at Saturdays at 8 a.m. But because I have to do something for family tomorrow at 8 a.m. And because I'm off for March Madness and my brackets are absolutely blown up, but I don't mind watching Kentucky get bounced. So it's fine. But my brackets are terrible. Are your brackets horrible, Neil? I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, they have been decimated. <laughs> the madness is real. I was hoping UCLA would lose as well, but unfortunately UCLA did not lose as well. But before we jump into that, as always, you can also catch the show on all your popular podcast platforms in the description below on YouTube. I have listed the links for Apple, Google, and Spotify. So please click those links and join us via the podcast form if you cannot join us live. It's a great thing to listen to. If you got a long drive, you can listen to me and Neil ramble on about the glorious Pittsburgh Steelers. But before we get in the show, I want to give a big shout out to my mom, who is a St. Patty's Day baby. So big up to moms. Happy birthday to you. Love you to the ends and back. So St. Patrick's Day has always been a very big day in my house and in my household and my family. And also want to give a big shout out to a new podcast I checked out on YouTube, Steelers for Seven Podcast. Big up to those guys. They do a good job. So like and subscribe those guys, as well as liking and subscribing to us. But, Neil, I got a new nickname for Kevin Cole, for Kevin Colbert. I, you know, he's so gangster coming out in free agency. He's like, look, man, it's my last rodeo, baby. <laughs> I'm going to get it done. H- how about K. Cole? Like J. Cole? K. Cole. K. Cole. Okay, that works. That how about works. K. K. Cole? I like we that. We can go with that. We can go with K. Cole. That's his new GMMC name is K. Cole because he's got transactional bars. His <laughs> bars on the transaction game are for real. K. Cole, my GM. You know what I think before we hop into all this? K. Cole ain't going nowhere. This is like K. Cole. This is like Jay-Z dropping the Black Album. And then afterwards, he dropped like seven more albums. K. Cole, <laughs> K. Cole not going nowhere. K. Cole got like five more albums in the tank because he's been recording. K. Cole, no, nah, K. Cole's not going out, Corey Hatcher. K. Cole's not going out. This is K. Cole saying he's going out, but on he wants to see how this goes. But enough of me, Neil. Man, before we jump into it, I wrote down all the names. I, I, I'm just... I, I'm flummoxed. I'm flabbergasted. All the names, all the transactions. If I had a meme where I was just throwing up money like this, like I was just throwing up <laughs> that's, ones. That's like, the one. 
That's the one. I wish I could find that. Anybody got a meme out there of Kevin Colbert doing this? If you're looking on YouTube with my hand, just doing the money or doing the Johnny Manziel with the money. Neil, what, what are your first impressions before we go through the list of players, what it means? What, what What's your thoughts on all this, man? I think um, it, as enjoyable as it's been to see um, – Steelers names name attached with the amount of transactions that we've seen up to this point. Um, we knew this was going to happen. We, we talked about this for a while. Um, it's not an accident either. It's not like this is a, a, a deviation from standard for them. Kevin Colbert, the, the next time K Cole speaks, one of the things he's going to say and, and bank this is we don't do it every year, but when we have the need and we have the means to do it, we'll do it. And I say that because something similar to this at, at a, a lower level, um, by quite a healthy margin, a lower level, they spent uh, a, a decent chunk of money in 2014 in that offseason. You might remember they brought in Mike Mitchell. Um, Cam Thomas is the other one that I remember. Um, LeGarrett Blunt. They, they went out and brought people in because they had some cap space to do it and they had needs they needed to fill. So it, it, we, we shouldn't be surprised by this. Also, we've ranted ad nauseum uh, in this segment, Lance, for months over problems on the offensive line, problems at middle linebacker, at, at inside linebacker, issues with the future of the secondary, all of these things were addressed. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. They, they knew they needed to go uh, find some, some players to fill those spots. Now, I'll be honest. The, the biggest surprise here is the fact that they signed they, – they brought Arthur Mollette back, probably more of a, a veteran depth guy, but they signed two outside cornerbacks. That, I don't know if that was specifically planned or not, but everything else um, – if if the opportunity was going to be there, they were going to take it. Miles Jack is a good example of that, a player that got cut ahead of free agency. They had a needed inside linebacker. There was no way Joe Schobert was playing on that contract. They had the opportunity. They went and filled it. it it's, it's exactly what we expected them to do. Uh, the names, we weren't going to know until it happened, but they did what we hoped they would do because it's what they needed to do, and now they've done it. As I look at the list here, as I'm penciling numbers by the list so I can do the math because, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm not math challenged, but I'm Steeler free agency math challenged. So I'm challenged by all the different names. They added or they signed 13 free agents, if I'm correct. And also, uh, make sure you go to Steelers Wire. Steelers Wire has a nice 2022 free agency tracker up there and that's what i've been using a little plug to neil and the steelers network that's what i've been using to track free agency transactions so let's start on the offensive side of the ball the signings are and i don't want to get into the contract details a lot of that information is on over the cap if you have that neil and you want to discuss the contracts and how they relate to what may happen in terms of if this player is going to be a starter or where they sit on the depth chart fine uh, here are the offensive free agents um, that have been signed. And, and correct me if I'm missing one because it's been so many. Chuck Sokor for re-signed 
right tackle Mitch Trubisky, outside street free agent at the quarterback position, signing of Mason Cole, the center, um, the restricted free agent tender for Dwayne Haskins, and the signing of James Daniels, a guard, I believe, from the Chicago Bears. When you look at the signing, it it when you look at these signings, it is clear and evident, and it's and it, and it goes to what you said. They identified interior offensive line and offensive line specifically, in my opinion, as their number one need. Given the money of the contracts that they gave the three players on the offensive line, and given how soon they did it they were looking to upgrade that offensive line immediately. Looking at the Chucks, Cole, and Daniels signing, first for you, Neil, what's your thought of Cole and Daniels as players? And secondly, give me your depth chart for the starting offensive line come September. Um, I, I couldn't give you a depth chart. I, I We can talk starters. but Well, let's I, say starters. That's what I mean. I mean starters. Let's let's start with that. I I think, and we're saying this, uh, you know, the, the ink isn't dry in their contracts yet. No mini camp, no training camp. This is fluid. We don't know specifically who is going to be where. And the reason I say that is because the Steelers clearly made a priority and have usually made a priority along their offensive line to give themselves options. Okay, Chukasakorafor has uh, been groomed to play left tackle, has mostly played right tackle due to injuries and as and due to availability. You don't know where he's going to play. His contract does not suggest left or right tackle. So we don't know. That's up in the air. They cut Zach Barron. So now what we know is the team uh, either keeps their tackles in place from last season, which is Dan Moore at left tackle and uh, – Chooks at right tackle, or they flip the two of them, or they bring in somebody else. Who knows? I mean, we, we, we can't be certain of that today. We don't know what they're going to draft. A gut thought that I would have would be drafting a, a, a right tackle prospect wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them. But again, it goes back to, to the main thing here, Lance. They have options, okay? Let's pencil in Dan Moore at left tackle and Chooks a 404 at right tackle. I agree. Before you before let me add this real quick. I agree because not necessarily not necessarily because of the contract, but just because Moore got all those snaps at the left tackle position. And you know, I I I've talked to uh the person who will no longer who will never be named and he said there is a difference between the two positions. It does take some um, getting used to. So my thought is, unless Moore has played extensively at the right tackle at some at some level, why why change things? Why why don't you keep the continuity there and let him to continue to progress at left tackle? Unless film suggests he just can't handle it and you flip it. But that's what I just wanted to add there. There could be a lot of different reasons to flip him either way. I mean, it, yeah. It's, yeah, I'm not saying anything negative. It just could be that's what they want to do. They, they might have specific reasons. They're on their fourth offensive line coach in four years. Keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> that isn't to say that 
there there were obvious failures among everybody. It just means that it it's a, a different direction, perhaps. So be open minded. There, there there are still a lot of things they need to decide within this group, in my opinion. Um, right guard was the open spot occupied last year by Trey Turner. Not exactly somebody they were itching to bring back. And one would think immediately um, James Daniels would be the guy to play right guard. Um, I say that because it's the open spot. What that would mean, though, is that Kevin Dotson is locked in at left guard. And oddly enough, I don't know if we have ever heard as much smoke coming internally from the Steelers about an offensive lineman uh, as, as we have with Dotson. He wasn't great last season. He was okay as a rookie. People blew his ability way out of proportion. You knew the other shoe was going to drop. He didn't look very good. And it seems like a theme that comes out of all these team sources that, that get leaked to the media. Uh, he doesn't work very hard. It was a big to-do last year when all the fans rushed to defend him when, when news came out that there were people inside the, the organization that questioned his work ethic. It's still there. So you have to kind of wonder – does this affect Dotson more so than it might affect the right guard position? Because here's why, Lance. You you signed Mason Cole, who is a versatile interior offensive lineman. He can play center or guard. What's to say they don't keep Kendrick Green at center and put Cole at, at say, left guard and Daniels at right guard or flip those two? Options. They have created a multifaceted unit of starting five, maybe starting six prospects in which they can find the best fit at the best positions we don't know today exactly how that's going to go and it, interestingly enough what i took away from uh cole's presser yesterday was that he said absolutely i'm fine playing either one i'm ready to play either one but if you had his choice he'd play center so i don't know if that has something to do with it um, I, I've talked to people within the Vikings that, that have suggested they felt probably long run. He's more of a center than a guard, but he wasn't necessarily exceptional at either one. So it, it's not clear if there is going to be a great difference there, but maybe they're throwing him in camp and, and tell him to figure out, you know, it, it's, it's fully possible. They don't, they have not revealed yet exactly what their intention is. If you've listened to this show, you guys are familiar with the three P's, performance, pay, and pedigree. I bring it up all the time in terms of it's a mechanism that I use to try to help me predict, which is the fourth P, uh, what a team might be doing or what a team might be thinking in terms of personnel, which is a fifth P. See, I'm on a roll. See, I'm on a roll today. That's five P's. It's all about the P's. And a six P Patty's is day. Patty's. Yes, see, it's a six P. Yes, they're magically delicious. Um, <laughs> is the pedigree, meaning where they were drafted for Dotson and for Green, enough to protect them, in your opinion, in terms of starting, or will it be trumped by the other P performance, do they have enough bad tape to get usurped in the starting lineup by pay, which is the paying for Cole and for Daniels? I think we're clear that Daniels is going to start. Um, so what are your thoughts in terms of the three P's and, and, and how that relates to those two young players? Is it enough? Is the pedigree enough, in your opinion, to keep them in the starting lineup? Uh, simply put, no. 
no, they, they wouldn't have signed. I know, agree. More expensive veteran players. They made an active choice to bring in more expensive players. Um, somebody's going to sit. Somebody sits. Um, Daniels and Cole are going to be starters. They did not sign to not start. Now, it, it's a question of who fills in at right guard, and from there, where does the other one go? He's, he's benching a, a 2021 starter whoever it is, whichever spot that he's going to be in. So there's no way around that. And I think that the pedigree piece of your question was already answered. They wouldn't have signed them if they felt those guys had locks on the job. Um, We just know at this point, there were odd shots fired in Kevin Dotson's direction where we wouldn't have necessarily thought that's the direction they were going to go in. Fans focused almost entirely on Kendrick Green. I said, pretty consistently you've got issues at guard as well you did not get very good play out of trey turner you got some bad play out of uh kevin dotson that isn't to say that neither green nor dotson are ever going to again be able to play maybe they were put in a little bit too early maybe they didn't do enough i i hate to keep pointing this out like i always have on 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 this show but there's a reason the offensive line coach left to take a job at oregon (laughs) in the middle of the season. And it wasn't because they were willing to give him a five-year contract because he did a great job. He was getting fired. That's why he left. I don't think they could have been real thrilled with what they saw out of the, the young Dotson, out of the rookies, uh, Kendrick Green and Dan Moore. I, so you needed a new voice. You brought in an older, experienced coach. I think that was intentional. I think that's exactly what they looked for. And with that, maybe, you know, they still got Dotson for a year after this one on the cheap. It's not like his career is over, but whether it's center or guard, one of those two is sitting down. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that top to bottom. So uh, in this case, it's it's certainly pay over pedigree because, you know, I don't think a third, a third round pick, maybe a little bit, but not when he was made to start as a rookie, when he was clearly in over his head and fourth round pick is not pedigree. If it is, then more than half the league has that pedigree. I'm not really sure what it really matters. Yeah, it's but, not a high pedigree, definitely. No, it, Dotson, Dotson did not play well enough to have, as somebody pointed out in the comments, um, his job unchallenged. He just didn't. There's no way. Um, Green, my opinion, and I'm, I'm not a, an offensive line guru or coach or anything like that, but it looked to me, in relation to other centers in the league, he was so slow coming off of the snap it just might not be the position for him. So maybe he's the left guard and you put Cole in at center. There's that option as well. There's that word again, though, Lance. Options. This is exactly what they wanted to do. And I think it's really smart. They are guaranteed to get, um, it, assuming they evaluate it correctly, they're going to get the five best players at their best positions based on what they want to do. And that's exactly what they needed to do. And there's still a draft to go. You're drafting 20. It's not as if you can't get a, a high-level guard at 20. If you want, want to you, look at – I want you to save that. I want you to save that about the draft. I want you to save that because we're going to hit that at the end of the show and talk about how free agency is going to impact the Steelers' draft. And I think the one thing that gets missed in discussions by us fans uh, with players and how players perform – you know, as a former coach, you know, it, it to get the most out of a player, 
unless the player is just God-givenly gifted and just is one of those guys, there has to be a nice fit between coach and player. A coach has to communicate his vision and what the play, he wants the player to do, and it has to be heard, and he has to be able to teach it, communicate it, trust, all that stuff. So there's a fit between player and coach that's necessary to get the most out of players. And I think we've seen, as you mentioned before, the four offensive line coaches is that fit has not worked so far between the Steelers and their offensive line and their offensive line coaches. So they're still looking for that cohesion between coach and player. Let's switch to the defensive side of the football. And before we do that, um, let me just give you where the Steelers stand in terms of cap cap space, excuse me, according to pro football, not pro football focus, over the cap. Um, the team cap space is 21 million. That's what they have now. And I'm not sure if they have that, the Mason Cole accurate. deal. That, yeah, you, they don't have the Mason Cole You can't deal. look at it. There are way too many moves that have been made. Yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't look at it now, but I have very in, in, in a very rudimentary fashion gone through all of it based on where they were at the beginning for what we know of contracts and we haven't gotten the details on a few of them so i would estimate their range somewhere between about three and eight million under right now um it, it could go either way that's not a, a, a solid number but they're obviously not over the cap they're not at the cap it, it's probably three to six i might even go down to that so they, they have room to make another move should they want to do that. And they still have um, the opportunity to make some moves on their roster. Should they want to free up more or just they haven't gotten to announcing it yet. Um, we don't know where their cap position is going to be. It's all going to be fluid here probably for another week or so, but um, just knowing them, I, I, I'd say, no, they probably aren't likely to sign anybody else. But this is about the time they would start looking at um, it, kind of pooling their money together to get a sense of where they're going to be uh, post-draft and looking at extensions uh, for certain veterans. And if they if they want to restructure a few deals, they still have the ability to do that. While you were talking, I was trying to see if Ian Whetstone had uh, put a tweet out on what his numbers were because Ian does a very good job. Of keeping he uh, up to he date, he wouldn't know either. It's it, it's yeah. not a question of no, no, he no. Would no have he to just... be in the room getting all of the contracts and filing them. They right. might not be filed yet. Right. Um, this from from a news perspective, it's going to be announced that team signed this player. He might not have even signed the contract yet. True. It looks like the the big three that they started off with all came in and signed yesterday. So you have that. But Witherspoon's deal that that came in yesterday probably hasn't been signed yet that's not going to be accounted for anywhere and unless you have the contract you don't know what the structure of it is so you don't know what the, the cap charge will be this year um you can guess yeah ian probably has a, a better estimate than i do but it's not going to be far off of that they're they're certainly not at the, the 20 that's listed right now um on spot track has something similar to over the cap as well but it, it's they they've spent a, a pretty significant amount of money to this point for sure. Um, and they might not be done yet either. Let's switch to the defensive side of football. Let me list out the signings. Millette at the cornerback, um, a tender for Marcus Allen, um, a right of first refusal tender for Spillane, 
Um, they re-signed Killebrew, uh, re-signed Montrevious Adams, uh, signed cornerback Levi Wallace, uh, signed Miles Jack, and brought back Witherspoon at the cornerback position. Looking at those signings, I think it indicates what we talked about earlier. There is a concern at the inside linebacker position and a concern at the cornerback position. Who's, what's the most exciting signing for you of those eight particular transactions? I, I think it's pretty obvious that it's Jack. I mean, it, it's I, I was a huge Miles Jack fan um, when he was coming out of UCLA, which seems like forever ago. I guess it really wasn't all that long. But uh, you're talking about before his injury and the, the subsequent issues that have come with that. But, but the dude was he was Shazier with size. Um, he had probably 25 pounds on Ryan Shazier and he was probably around just as fast. Um, probably a better instinctive player. Jack would have been a top 12 pick had he not hurt his knee. The issue with the knee injury wasn't the injury itself. It's that it, it's a degenerative condition that he has now. Um, he went in the second round because he's not going to have the length of football career that you would probably like length of, of career at elite level athleticism, which is really his game uh, that you would like in a first round pick. If you're going to guarantee that much money, you want to kind of hope that this guy's not breaking down in, in year five. Uh, he may have gotten past that. Some say maybe not. I see a player that can drop 30 yards down the field, stride for stride with a, a slot receiver with a tight end He's a guy that, that can defend the middle of the field uh, against the pass. He is basically what we did not see at all from Devin Bush or Joe Schobert. And he's still maybe not an, an elite level run defender. There, there's some issues that are probably there, but let's be honest. This is a passing league. The balanced linebacker thing just isn't, it, it isn't what you need defensively anymore. You need guys that can cover and then give run support. So Jack, I think, provides the, the strongest boost overall on defense. Um, and he very well could be a, a, a high-level player within this defense. I, I love the idea that they've put that much uh, into their linebacker unit already, hiring Brian Flores um, it, to bring in uh, – it's still a, a guy that's still a very good athlete uh, that can still play the game at, at a pretty affordable price at a position of dire need, in my opinion, for this team. Uh, excellent move. Excellent, um, absolute A+. And I, I think that's going to pay some pretty good dividends. Let's dig into the weeds a little bit more before we talk about some of the other signings and keep it on Miles Jack. In the Steelers' defense, is he the buck or the Mac? Is he the green dot? What's your thought? I, I To the degree they use buck and Mac, I don't know. Um that matters a lot more when you have a zero technique defensive tackle on the field. And they haven't played that in years. Um, basically the, the three, four defense as Steelers fans know it retired when Dick LeBeau left, they haven't played defense like that um, in, in several years. And that doesn't mean that you don't have the standing outside linebackers uh, the way that they obviously have three down linemen in, in, you know, most cases, it's a question of where they're playing on the line more so than it is whose hands on the ground, who's standing up. Um, 
I, I couldn't tell you what, how they distinguish uh, their inside linebackers. It's probably related more to Mack and Buck, but it's not strong side, weak side. It, it's a it's a question of coverage nowadays more than anything, right. whereas exactly. uh, Mack and Buck is really a distinction of where the fullback lines up, and there aren't fullbacks. So um, it, that, that level of defense is all but retired. I mean, you might run a play or two or might a, a situation you might have that alignment, but they don't do that anymore. Um, Beyond that, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you anything about the green dot as far as um, who's going to to wear that. But it, it's kind of the guy that, that the smartest guy who's going to be on the field the most is the one that is going to wear that. And the way it sits right now, I have no idea. Um, they traded for Schobert last year rather than give it to Bush. So you want to think <laughs> that 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 uh, uh, that that plays into into account here. But maybe things change, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure um, what they felt about Devin Bush's season. I know what they said in the media and that that's not necessarily what they feel about it. And it wasn't all that good. So I, I would think Jack would get it. Um, also important to note that after the draft, uh, they have a decision to make as far as um, Bush's fifth year option and where we sit right now uh, with the acquisition of Jack too. There's not, absolutely nothing no. pointing to to them picking no. up his option. So no, not, not at all. He if would that's need... the case, Jack is the only inside linebacker, with the exception of Buddy Johnson, that they have on contract for 2013 so, or 20, 2023. So uh, I, I think you have your answer there. And keeping it St. Patty's Day themed, he would need the luck of the Irish to get that option. And the reason I asked about the green dot is obviously – it's the green dot. So anything green, we have to work into the show. And looking at the group chat, I think everyone else is they're, – they're really excited about the Witherspoon signing. But it's interesting that the Steelers went out and got two corners. Well, they re-signed Witherspoon and Wallace. And we've talked about it a lot. When we looked at the Steelers roster, they just didn't have a lot of players as well. So they needed to sign some players. And it, it's great that they brought back Witherspoon. In my opinion, they put Wallace back in that secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm going to assume that those are going to be your two starting outside, uh, your outside linebackers, um, your field and your boundary corner, as well as now that they're looking for a safety. So let me give you this. And I, and I want to point to a guy on Twitter, Joe Kuzma, who wrote this. And he gave a depth chart of the Steelers' defense. Uh, but before I give you that, any other surprises in there? I think the Montrevious Adams signing was a key one. And let me ask you this. Does the re-signing of Montrevious Adams, in your opinion, make uh, Tyson Alulu expendable? I think it does. Maybe not expendable, but uh, it gives them an option. Do, do you need to take on a Lulu's contract? Um, I, I've said that, and I've had people absolutely savage me for, for suggesting that they would lose uh, Alu Alu going into next year. I don't understand why. He's 35 years old. He's coming off a major injury. There's no guarantee with that guy. And plus, what you saw out of Adams, who's he's, he's a pedigree guy, Lance, former third-round pick. They picked him up off the Saints practice squad, and I have no idea why he was there. He played pretty damn well. For, for Pittsburgh down the stretch. People are freaking out over Witherspoon. I get it, but Adams saved that defensive line. I mean, they were getting destroyed until he got in there. I mean, and think about it this way. He got a contract. 
I mean, he came in late off of a practice squad yeah. and, and, and to a new building and got a contract, which tells you and got got a two year deal. So which tells you they like the, the football that he's playing. I, I think it's it suggests there's competition for Alu Alu come training camp. And I think that's the way that it should be. But Adams is not the one who's going to go. It's a question of, of whether Alu Alu can find a way to stick with the younger guys who were there. And keep in mind, I forgot about this. I still think it's funny because somebody called me out for it on, on Twitter last week. I forgot that Isaiah Bug signed with the Raiders already. So he's gone. He's not even there anymore. So it, it, depending on what they want to do with the draft, um, Alu Alu is there to kind of serve as insurance against finding a, an interior defensive lineman they can get on the field right away. Before we jump into the depth chart, I want to give a big shout out to my guy, Christian C. Christian's been listening to the show forever. So thank you, Christian, for hopping on, man. It was great to see you with a comment at 3.30 a.m., man. Thank you, Christian. Hopefully you are checking out the show live Big up to you, longtime listener and fan of the program. Let me give you the depth chart provided by Joe Kuzma on Twitter. Big up to Joe Kuzma if you're listening to the show. I will give you a shout-out. At the outside linebacker, of course, T.J. Watt. Defensive end, Cam Hayward. Alu-alu at the nose tackle. And I'm putting a question mark there. To it at the defensive end. High Smith at the other outside linebacker. Bush Jack as your inside linebacker. Spoon. Fitzpatrick and to be determined at the other safety position. And I'm glad that he listed to be determined last. So of the names that I listed in terms of your starting defense, uh, because we know there's a ton of sub package football and so on and so forth. So in terms of corner, the allocation of snaps will, uh, will often shift and you, whoever's your corner, your slot corner. And we would think it would be Cam Sutton is going to get a ton of snaps, but does that sound like, um, the 10 that you're going to get on the field outside of a little, maybe you have Adams. Is that the 10 that you see uh, starting for the Steelers? Uh, come this, just, fall? this goes back to what I said about the depth chart with the offensive line. It, it's way too early to call that. Um, I don't think they, it, it's a lot of sub package football. But the reality is that's no longer sub-package football. What you just read off, what he just listed, that's sub-package football. A starter at each of those positions is what we're familiar with. It's what we're comfortable with, and I get it. But the reality is there's no way they're going to have a snap without five defensive backs on the field. You just don't play that way anymore. Short of, of uh, short yardage and goal line, you're, you're, the, the first defensive snap of the game is going to be a nickel. That's your starting group. So put Sutton in there. Um, as far as the quote unquote strong safety who doesn't line up on the strong side of the field anymore, if Buck and Mac are, are, uh, interchangeable positions, free safety and strong safety sure as hell are, there aren't strong safeties in the NFL anymore. Strong safeties are guys that permanently line up on the strong side of the field, which used to be really judged by where a fullback was, where a second running back was. There are only like three teams that, that consistently use two guys in the backfield. So it, it's it's a distinction that doesn't have much merit anymore. You have two deep defensive backs. My question, Lance, and the reason I'm ranting about this is because I really don't think they expected to sign two cornerbacks at the level that they signed Wallace and uh, what they're said to be signing uh, Witherspoon at. <clears throat> Not a coincidence. They gave him the same deal. To me, plus Aditi Kinkabwala of NFL Network reported 
that the Steelers and uh, Witherspoon came to came to terms on a deal like at the start of the tampering period. That deal never went down. OK, we, we didn't hear about that again. Not that it was off or anything like that, but the Steelers went out and signed Wallace at the same level that you would think that it is reasonable for Witherspoon. My guess with that, Witherspoon saw deals go down in the market, decided, you know, he wanted to see if he can get some more money. So he waited. The Steelers went out and signed somebody else because they do that. They don't wait for guys in those situations. They wanted somebody, they're going to go sign him. They, they're not going to sit around and wait. Then it turns out that Witherspoon's good with that amount. You have a meeting, you decide, you know what, bring in two of them. Now they have a, a deep veteran cornerback group to the level I don't think they've ever had. You know, a lot of veterans are on that team. A lot of, they have four guys on extensions. There's no rookie in that group. Not yet, anyway. You still got a draft. But Pierre is the odd one out. The rest of them are signed. Cam, Cam Sutton is, is not signed beyond this year, but he's gotten an extension. So I don't think that was planned. But what I want to ask is what level of safety opposite Minka Fitzpatrick do you want to bring in at this point? Somebody mentioned Tyron Matthew. I'll go pick him up at the airport if I have to, if, if that's something that they were considering. That would be utterly fantastic. They would have the best defense in the NFL. They'd win games with defense if Matthew was in there along with Fitzpatrick. It'd be extremely hard to throw deep against that team. They'd make plays underneath as well. Huge improvement. Are they going to do it? Let's be honest. No, no. <laughs> For no. a variety of reasons, they're not going to do it. They, they, I, I think the opportunity is absolutely there for them to do it. Maybe they'll surprise us, but it, no, it, it's just not going to happen. I would question, though, why did you sign three veteran cornerbacks this year? You brought two of them back. You signed a new one. Do you want to put one of them on the bench consistently? Are you looking to rotate them all in and out? Or are you looking to get all four of them on the field? That's what I would look at right now. Three of four, certainly. Four of four? I don't, I don't know if that's such a terrible idea. If you're if you're looking at second and long, if you're looking at third and long, do you need to worry about a safety who's one part pass defender, one part run defender, or would you rather just put a bunch of covered guys on the field? The Steelers did a lot more of that kind of thing last year than we've seen them do in the past. It wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of what they're looking to do now, which would drive down the value and the need for this other safety. And it doesn't have to be a quote unquote strong safety. What about Trey Norwood? Trey Norwood might have been their best slot defender last year. Do you get him off the field? Does it matter what, what position he's labeled as? You put him in nickel and dime situations where he covers defenders, covers receivers. That's what that's what he's there for. Does that mean he's the strong safety? I don't know. He's not a strong safety. He's a nickelback. Really, in the NFL, he, he's, he's a, a slot cornerback. So what if you have double slot? What if you want to put one of those guys at the mid-level instead of a linebacker options. I really think that's what they're aiming to do with this. And they're going to go even deeper into personnel packages in their secondary than they did last year. And that was a massive increase from the previous year. They're getting really creative with their past defense. I think we're going to see even more of that this year. I think you kind of dug into my next question. I think it gets us to a nice point um, in this discussion about free agency. The safety position, the other starting safety position, right? In theory, you don't have it, right? Because Edmonds played probably about a 1,000 snaps last year. Now, whether we think they'll use four corners 
in terms of a nickel alignment or nickel defense if they go to a nickel package um, or if they do three corners, two safeties, whatever it is, you've got a thousand snaps that another safety did play. He's still on the market. Do you think the Steelers will try to bring him back? Has that ship sailed because we're at the Friday point of free agency? And just in general, overall, do you think we will see another couple of signings, another signing? Where do you think if we're going to look back, if you look into your crystal ball and become Neil Stradamus and you're looking at your crystal ball on Thursday of next week or next Friday, is Edmund signed? Have they or have they signed a safety? Uh, has anyone else got signed in terms of free agency or is Cole, K. Cole, the notorious one, is he no longer uh, signing free agent ball players? The only Steelers free agent as of the recording of this show that we know to have signed anywhere is Ray Ray McLeod, who signed with the 49ers late last night. So um, nobody has been signed. Edmonds, it, it, this is what's interesting. And, and we talked about this leading into free agency. Edmonds, um, the, his fifth year option was at six and a half million. Somebody keep me honest if it's not exactly that. I, I'm pretty sure it was about that. I wasn't sure if that was fair or unfair for him. The Steelers obviously valued him less than that, or at the least um, they wanted something long-term for less than that and didn't want to pay for a year to set it at a a baseline. Um, One of the other safeties probably at or around Edmonds market was Jordan Whitehead of the Buccaneers. Go Pitt. Whitehead signed for about 7.1 APY with the Jets. For me, and this is what Doug Farrar was on with us last week, uh, what we talked about was who's better there, Edmonds or Whitehead? Whitehead, the fourth-round pick, lacks that pedigree. Lance didn't have a fifth-year option. Bucks didn't want him. What's what's his market relative to Edmonds? Who's, Who's bigger? We weren't really sure, and I'm not sure, but if, if Jordan Whitehead signed for 7.1 with the Jets and the Steelers turned down Edmonds at 6.5 on his option, logically, it, it, Whitehead is, is you know bigger. It's an artificial market, keep that in mind, but I think the Steelers wanted to, to retain Edmonds, just not at a $6.5 million valuation for one year. I think if they're talking five, five and a half, They'll bring him back for a couple of years. Knowing them, a two-year deal, <laughs> they do that with everybody else now. Um, I would not be surprised if they look to bring back Terrell Edmonds at something like five and a half, maybe six on the higher end on a two, maybe three-year deal. Would not surprise me. They still have the availability to do that, I, I think, um, based on what we know of the cap and the signings they've made. They should be able to come in under that. I think that they will. If they don't, and he signs elsewhere for that amount of money, my guess is they're not looking for what you would think of as a a, a permanent, traditional strong safety. They're going to throw dudes out there to cover. They're not worried about distinctions as much. And you sign Miles Killebrew for for, uh, $2 million for this year. If He's probably more of a run defensive guy. You could put him out there as needed. He's not a high-level guy by any stretch, but you have so many defensive backs that you're going to play which is what they did last season, I, I don't think that they're looking to sign a starting strong safety. And maybe that's why they let Terrell Edmonds go. Uh, I think they would be getting cute if they went that way. 
Um, that's just me. I think Edmonds is a very good player. But clearly I, – I didn't um, say he wasn't a good player. I'm yeah. saying it, it might be – his market just might be too expensive for what they want to do. He, they, they might not want that position out there for that much, that, that, you know, that frequency. You mentioned 1,000 snaps. Maybe they don't want somebody at 1,000 snaps. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Edmonds. What about another free agent? You think we'll see another free agent signing of significance? Honestly, my guess is if they sign another one, um, it, it would be that safety position. That, that's the most logical. That's the most obvious. Um, beyond that, uh, not maybe not now. Um, I, I hate this because there's so many things that they've done that I said they wouldn't do. <laughs> um, I appreciate the fact we haven't talked about Mitch Trubisky at all, which is odd, but it, it's more, do they have the need to spend more somewhere else? Not spending for the sake of spending, but spending strategically. Is that need still out there? I don't know. Not Not before the draft. Well, I am sorry, and thank you for bringing that up, that we have not mentioned Mitch Trubisky. But maybe, but, but, maybe it's, but maybe it's okay because I think the Mitch Trubisky signing isn't really controversial at all. Um, I thought that there was no way in the world that the Steelers really wanted to start uh, Mason Rudolph next year. And there's no way they were going to start Dwayne Haskins. So the Mitch Trubisky thing, and, and, and I'm trying to clean up the fact that I forgot to mention Mitch Trubisky, but they needed a quarterback, right? I, I just don't think they were comfortable starting Mason Rudolph. I don't think there's going to be a competition. I think that Mitch Trubisky is slotted to be the starter, period. That's it. Now, I don't think, you know, fans may not like him, um, <laughs> but he's going to be the starter. That's it. That, that's your bridge guy to the next guy. And unfortunately, we just don't know how big the bridge is. I mean, Mitch Trubisky is the best quarterback that they have on the roster, period. He'll be the starter. That's it. I don't think there's much more to it than that. Um, sadly, you're probably right. I, here's the thing. <laughs> I see your head dancing. Whatever <laughs> path we go down with this, and I want to be very clear about this because it's not going to be a popular opinion. Whatever path we go down with this, whatever result we land on is whatever result. But in doing that, there will be a, a pretty curious question as to how we got to that specific point any one of those to me really makes me lose faith that they have any semblance of a plan or that they stuck with any decision that they've made up to this point we've spoken frequently in in the about a year now that, that we've been doing this lance about why they gave mason rudolph an extension last year I have said in this space, the reason they did that is so they wouldn't have to go out and sign Mitch Trubisky as a free agent. If you took all of 30 seconds to sign Mitch Trubisky, why did you give Mason Rudolph $2 million last year and a spot on this year's team? What is the point of that? 
And if Mason Rudolph is worse than Mitch Trubisky, why didn't you sign Mitch Trubisky last year? What it, it, if he's good enough now and you're this excited about it to give him $7 million, $14 million over two years, so we'll just split it in half and say $7 million, why didn't you just sign him last year for a lot less? None of these things make me confident that they have a plan at the game. Hell, sports is most important position. It's not so much about Trubisky, and if you want me to rant about Mitch Trubisky, I will, but it's not about him. It's just looking at this from a 10,000-foot level, there's indecision, there's bad decisions, there's wasted money, and there's no future plan here. Mitch Trubisky is not a future plan. If he was, he'd have a longer than a two-year contract that's backloaded. What that means is if he sucks, it doesn't cost him much to get rid of him. So they don't even have confidence in him. No, not at all. They didn't have confidence in Mason Rudolph either then. So what are you doing? And then, on top of this, I'm not done, Lance. Then you tender Dwayne Haskins at the mid-level. Okay? What that means is they're protected against a team actively wanting to come in to sign Dwayne Haskins away. Okay? You bought extra insurance. Say, say that again. A team will not want to come in and sign Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> exactly. Okay? Yet, you decide to pay him more to a point where if he makes the team, he's either your backup quarterback at $2.5 million or he's your third string quarterback at $2.5 million. For the life of me, I can't understand why you need to do that. If you are that confident in Mitch Trubisky, if you are that confident in Mason Rudolph, why are you paying two backup quarterbacks roughly the same amount of money? Because you think, don't know who the starter is. If exactly. You, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Okay. And if you what have that three means quarterbacks, is, this is, and if you have three, <laughs> it's way worse. That's my problem here. The entire thought process of this is screwed up, and they don't have an answer at the quarterback position. Instead, they're fumbling around. And it, throwing money at guys who have had chances as starters in the NFL who never equated themselves to, to be starters. You know what Yet they're all doing. I hear from the fan base is, oh, well, you know, Matt Nagy screwed up Mitch Trubisky. No, he didn't. He didn't tell him to throw the ball. More importantly, he didn't tell him not to throw the ball. Mitch Trubisky has no field vision. He doesn't see down the field at all. He's a, a career 6.4 yards per attempt quarterback. You know who else has numbers like that, Lance? Mason Rudolph. And now you're paying him, Trubisky, two and a half times as much as you're paying Rudolph. Why? There, there's no logic behind anything that they're doing. And you have no reason, logically, to be excited about this. You just don't. You know what the you know what the Steelers quarterback position is? It reminds me of when you drove down the street, and I'm going to date myself with this term, and you saw a jalopy with different parts from a bunch of different cars on it. Yes. You've got one bumper from a Subaru. Yes. You've got a catalytic <laughs> converter from a Honda. You've got a, a Tesla a Tesla interior. I mean, you just got the all Hugo these high hood cars. ornaments in there. A, a Hugo hood ornament, and you've got the St. Patty's Day dice off the hood. Um <laughs> They have no idea what they're doing. Um, 
at the quarterback position. And like Corey Hatcher said, even the great K. Cole gets it wrong sometimes. And just, they're it's it's not it, you have to look at it like this. It's not if this was all part of a plan, then I would say yes, they got it wrong. This is adjustment to adjustment to adjustment. That's the problem, though. You don't have a plan at quarterback. Okay. You you got off light because you could get Ben on a pay cut last year. But you didn't have a plan. You told us up and down, you're comfortable with Mason Rudolph. You didn't just sign Patrick Mahomes, okay? You signed Mitch Trubisky. He's not good. <laughs> Why is he any different than Mason Rudolph, considering Rudolph has been there for four years, and you gave him an extension last year? Why did you do that? For reasons you know, that it, they, they went back on this year. That's why. And don't tell me it's because of the availability of Mitch Trubisky. Don't tell me that. He was available last year. You could have signed him last year. What did he do sitting on the bench in Buffalo that made him better? Rudolph at least played. It's garbage. It's garbage. funny. I'm, lo I'm looking at the comments in Freaky MC. Let's battle. I got bars. I got bars. Let's, let's, let's have a freestyle battle, Freaky MC. But with that said... Enough, as Blizzard Gaming said, forget all the negativity with Mitch Trubisky. He's a stopgap measure. Why are we talking about this next stop year? Stopgap we'll measure was Rudolph. That's the <laughs> yeah. problem. It's the double it's You the don't double have a plan. <laughs> How are we supposed to feel excited? You're two years out now from having a plan, and that's assuming they don't draft a quarterback, okay? You have nobody signed over two years. Nice so you transition. Have the exact same pro you have the same problem this time next year. The exact same problem. Nice transition, Neil. And I think this transitions us well when you said about the quarterback position. And Freaky MC says, trade up to take Willis. But let me stop you there before you have a comment. In terms of the needs, in terms of free agency, I think we can say, now we still have to watch the guys play. But I think we can say that they've addressed the offensive line position. Right on yes. a defensive side of football, they've addressed the cornerback position and the inside linebacker position. How does this transition and shift the Steelers in terms of the draft? For me, I still think I, I would like them to go corner. I still think what you were talking about, this we're talking first round. I, I still think your description of the whole Mason Rudolph issue still gives them some flexibility because of the level of his salary to possibly get rid of him and possibly still look at the quarterback position in the so, first so you round. screwed it up last year then. That's, and so, so you screwed it up last year. So you screwed it up absolutely last year. In terms of so what they've done in free agency. Time. How does this the set them up? Last year then. <laughs> how, <laughs> See what I mean? This is, that's, exactly, exactly. You messed it up. How, how does this set them up? in terms of what they've done in the past week in free agency from a well, needs perspective in terms of the draft? Where do you think they could go first round? Has it opened them up? Do you think they'll go in a particular direction? How, what, what does it look like for that first round draft pick now after this free agency period? Number one, you still don't have a long-term quarterback. And I need to address this comment really quick. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl 22 years ago. Okay? Stop comparing Trent Dilfer to anything. In today's game, there have been four CBAs signed. There have been three broadcast deals negotiated. Trent Dilfer is irrelevant. You need to play at a high level at the quarterback position to win today, period. If you think Mitch Trubisky is going to do that, 
I got some land, I have beachfront property in Utah to sell you. Okay. It's not going to happen. Draft needs Lance. I think it'd be crazy. First round. If, if they looked at a cornerback, just considering how many they've added. But I, again, I'm of the belief that they're planning on playing five of them this year. Um, I'm not against that. But to me, the one position that stands out the most is to now is a receiver. You don't have any playmakers still. Keep that in mind. I'm not crying about the loss of Ray Ray McDonald. <laughs> now I did it. Ray Ray McLeod, not McDonald. Like every broadcaster that I rip on for doing that. Now I now I'm doing it. Um, it, it. I don't know what Chase Claypool's deal is, but I think it's fair to say the team's not exactly you know approaching him about an extension right now. You can lock up Deontay Johnson. He's a solid player. He's not a playmaker. He's not a big play guy. They need a dude that can make plays after the catch. They need a dude that can make plays down the field. I think that's a position they need to address uh, quickly in in this draft. I'm also I not agree. against the idea of another tackle. You know, I Dan Moore, I think, did well for what they asked him to do. It could have been a lot worse. He was in a historically tough position. It, tackles drafted after round three don't start in week one in the NFL as rookies. He's a fourth round draft pick. He was a comp pick. That's a late tackle for him to have been made to start 16 and 17 games. He wasn't supposed to play. So you're happy with his development to this point. That doesn't mean he's the guy. So I'm not against that. At the same time, Steelers, for whatever reason, don't draft tackles in the first round. They haven't in longer than Trent Dilfer won the Super Bowl. It's been a while. So I don't know if that's the position they go, but that's something I would look at. Um, it, obviously, on top of that, I, you got to look at safety. You know, are, are they going to add some depth there? I think they probably need to. Um, they usually want to go in there with four. Um Maybe that's a later position for them as well. This is what's so great about the, the free agency period in general. If we just agree to overlook the quarterback thing for right now, it's wide open. I mean, they're, they're, last year it was throw a dart at a board. You're going to hit a, a Steelers major position of need. They're not in that position anymore. They've addressed the glaring holes. They still have to build. You know, I'm not suggesting that at all. This is going to be a great draft for normal, progressive depth. They're, they're going to be in a good position to take players who aren't going to be forced to get on the field right away. Um, Olavi is not going to be available at 20, by the way. If they did, they're going to run to the podium to draft him. I guarantee you that. Yeah, that, 40, that, time, that 40 time eliminated that. Something something really crazy happened if, if he falls to 20. And that could be good or bad. <laughs> I'm not sure. If he's the one accused of whatever on draft day, he falls to that point. I still think they would take him. But, yeah, he's he's a high-level dude. And he's an Ohio State guy. So. Yeah. At worst, he's a top 15 guy. They're, they're not getting him at 20. be great, though. I it, it, Check out the show after they draft him at 20. You'll see my it, the exact polar opposite of what I'm saying about Trubisky. It's about that guy. He's a stud. Let me add, let me add um, defensive tackle too because I don't know what's I mean I, I still don't know what's going on with Tua but I love because I, I was thinking about it although they've added the corners those are just guys I mean their cornerback group could add if you could add a young superstar did you guys, did you guys hear that corner. he just called Witherspoon a guy do you realize that yes let's I mean, get him. The, you know, these are just guys you know their their corners are guys right <laughs> Witherspoon they're, they're, Witherspoon has the most fan support of any player i think i've seen in the last five years 
and it came from absolutely nowhere. The dude didn't play for half the year. He comes in, he has some good statistics, and and he he played really well. I'm not saying that he didn't, but he's had equally bad stretches of play in his career. He's the most inconsistent player in the NFL. I I love the way he played at the end of the year. I also think there was a reason he didn't play at the at the beginning of the year. And I don't know which one of them we're going to get. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, so that's why I'm thinking corner. I, I would still go corner, uh, maybe wide receiver. Um, because when you look at their cap, and, and we'll see, and, and over the cap we'll have it all sorted out. But when you look at the contracts and you look at the Steelers, how it's allotted, I mean, they don't really have any expensive offensive players, which they, tells they don't you. They any expensive players, period. Right. And, they have like six guys at, I, I forget what it is, I don't have it in front of me, six guys like over seven million in, in, in cap charges going up to their top. Below that, it's like, I don't think anybody's above five. They're really, really flexible. Here's the interesting thing. Ben Roethlisberger's dead money charge is the big biggest offensive money um, against their cap in terms of a number. Yeah. At like he's, about ten point one million, he's the top of the you know, and so what that tells you is they need Actually, talent the on the top, offensive side of football on a, at the skill position. So, agree. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this is more of an offensive draft, and that's hilarious. This is me pounding the receiver table. <laughs> Neil Kulong is the Steelers Grinch. Get a play. I'm not a Grinch. Get a playmaker. Yes, you, need they a play, need a, you don't have a playmaker unless you're going to count on Claypool, which I don't know how you could do that right now. It'd be great if you turned it around, but you don't. You have nothing to believe that he will. Where we sit today, you need a playmaker. You lost. You lost Washington anyway. Now you lost Ray Ray. Not that those are high level guys, but you have to fill the depth chart. So, in my opinion, they're drafting at least one receiver, and it might be two. And before we get overall, out of here, great spot. Before we get out of here, I just want to address the comment. Defense wins championships. Anything is possible. Right. Good football teams win championships. You've got to be good on both sides of the ball. You cannot stop offenses consistently. Those days are over. If you think you're going to do that, you're going to lose. You're going to get beat. You have to be able to score nearly 30 points a game to win a Super Bowl. Start scoring points and you will be in the mix. You want to get situational defensive stops. You cannot stop teams consistently. You've got to play good defense. You've got to play good offense. Some games you need to do more of the other, but the run that the Bengals just went on, which you've heard me rant about this before, doesn't get nearly the credit that it deserves for how fantastically they played defensively. The last drive of the year for them ended in the game-winning touchdown. So what are we looking at? We're looking at Stafford who was brought in to win that drive, and he did. So in this case, the best defense in the playoffs didn't win the Super Bowl because they didn't get the stop. Yep. But that's it's just that simple. To get to that game, you need to score points. Look at the Steelers versus the Chiefs. Steelers statistically had a better defense. (laughs) Didn't exactly win him a championship. They lost like 805 to 3 or something like that in two games. It got them absolutely destroyed by the Chiefs. And let me just end it here with some comments by Corey Hatcher. I want to thank everybody for hopping into the live chat. Corey said it best. It's more about being opportunistic on defense, forcing turnovers, sacks. West chimed in, and do you have a good QB? Um, Imagine that. You know, 
the NFL is the NBA right now. Get and back if you've to you been, guys in 2025 about who our quarterback is. And if you've been watching the NBA, guys have been putting up numbers at an epic rate. Over the Timberwolves the last have offense. How the crazy t- is that? Big cat Never drops 60, Kyrie 60. I mean. Never happened know, before. And, and, and Kevin they Motley. beat LeBron. I don't, honestly, I don't think the Timberwolves have ever beaten LeBron. Ever. Well, you know, I'm a Laker fan, so let's not talk about sorry LeBron. Sorry about that. Look, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not it, bragging. It I'm just saying. I've, those two have never even been in the same league as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so, Kevin, we're not beating you up. We're just, you know, chiming in on it. And last comment we'll talk about is from Blizzard mm. Gang Gaming. I wonder if we have gotten Deshaun Watson. Will Neil complain about the compensation? We yes, were never. Cause, cause Deshaun Let me just Watson and Mitch Trubisky are on the same level of, of situations. You're right. Yeah. We, we were never getting Ridiculous. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I mean, it, Deshaun it, Watson it, put out every feeler to act like. Well, I'll just let the Steelers know that I'm interested, and they'll come to me. And the Steelers just said, "No, no, thanks. We'll go out and sign Mitch Trubisky before we'll find you." The best thing about the whole Deshaun Watson stuff is Baker make ba- Baker Mayfield is pissed off, and that's that that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> May- Mayfield Mayfield's smart. There there are availabilities in the NFL that are not on Cleveland right now that are waiting on the Watson decision before they're going to proceed. That's the reason San Francisco hasn't done anything with Garoppolo yet. Uh, The Colts need a quarterback, and they don't have a first-round pick. I don't know how else they're going to get that. Mayfield wants to go to Indianapolis. He'd rather go to Indianapolis, and maybe that's that's mutual. I'm not sure. But he wants an extension more than anything else. Now, we're not going to get into why he doesn't have one, but he's far more likely right now to get an extension in Indianapolis because they don't have anybody, and they don't have the means to get anybody to play for them at a high level next year. And he wants to get ahead of the Watson situation because he can get to Indy before San Francisco can deal Garoppolo there. So it, it him asking for a trade is really kind of, you know, th- this is the smartest move for him to make financially over the next year, at least. Yeah. Wes, it's football. They didn't do him dirty. It's a grown man business. They're not, they're not doing anything. I mean, yeah, they're, not, they're, yeah, he, they're still going to pay him. They're not yeah. cutting him. He's still a Brown, so he still can play football next year. Whether he wants to or not, that's a different story. But we're going to get out of here. Thank you, everybody, for hopping into the show. Thank you, Neil, for a fantastic discussion about free agency. It's been an exciting period, much more exciting than I thought. I thought they were going to be very active. But, man, 13 free agents, it's been a great free agent period. Happy St. Patty's Day to everybody out there. Again, big shout-out to my mom. Happy birthday. K. Cole is the man. He's dropping free agent bars. He got lyrics. I'm going to get his EP on YouTube right now. I'm going to download it on Apple Music. K. Cole drops bars. But with that, we are going to get out of here. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe.